Everyone faces questions and decisions that require insight and answers as we move forward personally, professionally, and corporately in all areas of this thing we call life in America today. Hello, this is Joe Schofield, and I invite you to tune in every Monday evening from 6 to 7 p.m. as we talk together and hear from key leaders of all ages and backgrounds about your questions. Interesting, informative, intuitive, but always encouraging. Tune us in on BBS Radio Network. Join Pastor Joe and co-hosts Ron Greer, Dr. Paul Hall, Stephanie Thayer, and Dr. Craig Thayer in Raising Expectations. Well, good evening, ladies and gentlemen and friends everywhere. Merry Christmas on behalf of all of us. We'll be sharing that with you later. We're so thankful that you tuned in tonight, and we're so thankful for the reports we get that you've been tuning in on the five platforms we're on during the week and and following through and uh, catching us. We're available anytime now, but it's always best live because that's when you catch us straight up in the mistakes. It's a lot more fun that way. But anyway, we're glad you're with us tonight. It's always a blessing to have you with us. We thank God for you, and we pray for you. And uh, by the way, it's Christmas season. We're so excited about that. We've got some great things about Christmas tonight and two very special guests with us tonight. So we're looking forward. So I'm going to move right along. I'm Pastor Joe. I think I know most of you. And uh, I am a retired pastor. I used to sing years ago. I still got Old Faithful behind me there with Glenn Campbell a long time ago. But uh, we... Uh, we moved on and God has been good in my life and I thank him for all he's done in my life. And I'm thankful he was born in a manger that he might live in my heart, that he might bring me to him, but walk with me every day. That's the joy of being a believer. And um, I am blessed by some of the most wonderful people in the world. I'm going to introduce them very quickly for you. You know our team. First of all, I'm going to start again on the West Coast, like we always do with my friend of over 50 years. Good grief, Paul. That's half a century. But in any event. My friend, Dr. Paul Hall, for years we went through school together, and uh, he is uh, he is a retired pastor, a a teacher, a professor. He's a he's a I think he's a Bible scholar. He's just terrific in knowing the Word of God. But most of all, you know, he knows the Word of God and knows how to relay it to people. He takes the Word of God and puts it through a heart that's committed to God, and in doing so, he changes lives. And uh, Paul's with us. Uh, he's my brother for over fifty years. Like I said, from Lompoc. California, Rocket Town on the West Coast. Took me that long to remember it, Ron, but I got it back. (laughs) (laughs) Glad you're there, Paul. Glad you're there. And then we're we're not going to go far to the East Coast this time because our good friends, Dr. Thayer, um, Craig Tank, and his his wife, Stephanie, they are an invasion of grandkids, which is so wonderful. So, and I don't know if they came West or going East, but uh, they're not going to be with us tonight. They'll be back. Don't worry. They've got a special time coming up with those kids. So uh, we're going to be with you tonight, and uh, just so you will know, um, uh, so if we get going later, I'm going to tell you now, we uh, will be back again next week. The next week, we'll start a whole new series on January the 9th that's going to be um, very, very exciting for you uh, with Dr. Harold Duncan out of Preston Counseling Center in Dallas, Texas. He's a tremendous man, anxious to share him with you later, but if we don't get there, uh, they'll be back later because it'll be going uh, with uh, we'll take the day off behind that for all of our families with Christmas. But we're still on. Tune us in 
and you'll still see us because our show will run. So now we're going to go to the great state of Texas. And in the great state of Texas, one of our favorite pastors in the world, as you well know, is Pastor Ron Greer, who's in McKinney, the thriving metropolis of McKinney, just north of Dallas. And because he's there, it thrives even more. I'm sure of that. But right, yes, right. So Ron, uh, Ron is the pastor, a retired pastor, a speaker. He is, uh, this guy is tremendous. I uh, love this guy. We all do. He is uh, a counselor, expertise now with Man on the Mirror or Man in the Mirror. He could be on it if it falls down. But anyway, he's in, Man in the Mirror is based out of Florida, and he works with helping men come through difficult situations in life and then get to the place where they know why they're there, God is with them, and how to come through it with the Lord and go on to become great fathers, dads, workers, great all-American men who follow the Lord Jesus Christ. Ron loves the Lord. He's got a wonderful family. And uh, we love you, brother. Glad you're here, too. And he's got the fanciest bookcase. You know, we, we got him on there, the bookcase, right, Paul? He really looks good. That's good. <laughs> I'm jealous. <laughs> I'm jealous. Yeah. 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 What do you think, Paul? Absolutely. Yeah, you shine. You shine. Absolutely. You make that bookcase look good, Ron. That's right. Oh, thank you, sir. Thank you, Absolutely. my brother. Thank you. Great addition. I try. Absolutely. <laughs> All right. Well, tonight we have for you on our program someone that last week got caught in the great Texas power failure. And uh, we missed him last week in Dallas. But this man, Charles Lingerfeld, has been my friend for goodness, many, many years. He is a congressional candidate, uh, twice there in Dallas. He is a businessman. He is a church leader. He is the editor of uh, Christian uh, Times magazine. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit about that later. This is Charles. You see him here with our friend, the Attorney General of Texas. Uh, he's right here. And uh, yeah, the Attorney General, let's get the right page. Ken Paxton there. I think you can see that. And there's Charles' article over on the left side that he puts in the back. Uh, he was a great writer and a great leader of men. And this magazine, he does a wonderful job. So Charles is with us again all the way from Dallas, Texas. Big D, and he is a diehard Dallas Cowboy fan. Uh, he's a, te- a Tennessean by birth, but he's going to see God from Texas, he said, someday. So, Charles, we welcome you. And with Charles also, we have back. Our very special friend, uh, Dr. Uh, Georgette, who is here, and I want to share with you Dr. Nichols, Georgette Nichols. She likes to go by Georgette, but she's Dr. Nichols. She is on the cover of his magazine. She had quite a story. You'll hear a lot more about this coming up in uh, January. She'll be back with us in January, and she has. she's a very good writer. She's written quite a great article on it, on fentanyl and what's happened and what has happened with this across the nation. So, uh, Charles, uh, as the editor of this magazine, Charles, we're going to bring you both up now. We're ready, TJ, if you bring them up. And we want to, uh, maybe you could share with the people, too, how they can get a copy of the of your magazine and what they could do to, to make sure they get one for their family and for their friends. Sure. You want me to go first? Uh, sure. Just just share okay. your magazine, then we'll... Then okay. We'll... Yeah, I brought a uh, December issue with me uh, tonight on the front. Uh, we've got a little photo uh, graphic of the manger uh, and uh, what is known as a manger uh, <laughs> and the story about Jesus coming to into our world 
uh, as the Son of God, becoming human flesh. And uh, we've got an article in here about uh, one of the first articles, maybe the first, entitled, We Worship Jesus. I have an editor's note in every magazine. It's read online um, uh, around the world. We've just recently uh, made a push into Russia. We now have some readers in Russia and the three Baltic states, Latvia, Lithuania, and Estonia. I wanted to go there, been wanting to go there for quite a while. And uh, the reason I wanted to go to Russia was because it's, uh, for about a year now, it's been so divided since Putin went uh, into war against Ukraine. And we need to pray for those Ukrainian people. Uh, I have a lot of Ukrainian Catholics. Ukrainian Kurds that are friends of mine in Ukraine. I try to stay in touch with them as much as possible to see how they're doing. And uh, they've got a great will and they just, uh, they're just fighters. They won't get, they won't give up. On the back is my friend of more than uh, 50 years, Pastor Robert Summers, who pastors Mountain Creek Church here in the southwest corner of of Dallas County, him and his wife, Joanne, are writers. He writes for me every month an article. And he's just, uh, uh, he also wrote back in the 70s while he was a teacher, uh, a little book on the students that he was teaching down in Houston and uh, his experiences with those uh, young students that were uh, on drugs, in trouble with the law, and uh, the way we met in 1972 uh, was I invited him to come to Buffalo, Texas, and speak for us at Eutherama. We had a ministry there uh, reaching out to local young people, and it evolved into a ministry uh, to young people. We'd bring them up out of Houston or from Dallas or New Orleans. We'd go down on the streets in New Orleans and pass out tracts and witness to them and uh, uh, reached them, and then they needed a place to stay. And so we gave them a place to stay and rehabilitate, get off drugs, or out of trouble with the law. So the magazine is doing quite well. Most of our readers are online. Um, the company that places it online for us also keeps tabs of where our readers are. We have readers throughout the Middle East, Islamic Republic of Iran, we now have readers in Israel, Iraq, uh, Southeast Turkey, Armenia, uh, Syria, uh, even now in Egypt. And that surprised me a few a uh, few weeks ago when they notified me and told me we had some readers uh, reading the magazine in Egypt and Europe and Asia, France, Great Britain, uh, Germany, all 10 provinces of Canada, all 50 states and Texas of course, is leading the nation uh, and leading all states or provinces in the number of readers. We have readers in every county in the state of Texas. And that's mm -hmm. why uh, conservative politicians like to advertise with us is because we can get their message out to every county, readers in every county in the state of Texas. But our desire is to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ around the world and that's what we're wanting to do. That's my heartbeat. That's the priority of Christian Times Magazine. 
is to spread the gospel around the world. And uh, by the end of December, we think we're going to cross the milestone of 2 million readers around the world. It also is available from Amazon. We upload the files to Amazon. They publish the magazine within about 24 hours, and it comes out in a nice hard copy edition just like this. And we're, uh, we give the glory to God. He's the one that's taken the, the magazine and propagating it and uh, helping us to reach people. And that's exactly what we want to do. Amen. That's wonderful. Well, hey, maybe we'll start with Georgette and and let her share about uh, Christmas. And maybe she's got one exciting story we know. And then Ron and Paul, you're set to go. (laughs) Yeah. And then we'll come back to Charles. Yeah. Georgette. Yeah. Well, remind me. Uh, Pastor Joe, which exciting one? Because I always have a lot of. <laughs> I know they're so excited. Real good ones. I'm thinking about you, uh, Christmas and 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 your dad and. Uh, oh, okay. What's going- okay, that's yeah. what I figured. But I want to make sure. Um, this this exciting um Christmas story essentially was so my whole life. My dad and I talked about. He's a pharmacist as a background. He used to work for Refco drugstores. Um. So he managed about 2,000 drugstores and um, had about 11,000 employees under him. And um, they were eventually bought out uh, by CVS. Well, for my whole life, we always told each other we would work together and um, we would uh, he would end his career working beside me as a pharmacist. And so um, this year, essentially for Christmas, I got to hire my dad. Um, so my dad is going to, um, come on board and, um, be working beside me. Like we said, we would my whole life. And so that was the wonderful, um, Christmas miracle God, uh, God gave me this year. So I've had a hard year, um, since last year, everyone knows, like I lost my job in the hospital for, um, reporting narcotic theft and, um, that really, I struggled with that. And um, I still, still sad that they didn't do the right thing. But now I'm finally getting to see like the, um, the light at the end of the tunnel and God's beauty and his orchestration of this. And I could have never, ever been able to do what my dad and I always joked about doing. And so for Christmas this year, um, we, I hired my dad. And so me and my dad will be working together um, at my new company that I work for, um, helping patients together side by side. So, um, yeah, it's a it's the best Christmas gift either of us could have ever had from God. Mm. So we get to we get to work together um, and help people. And that's one of the biggest things I ask God. Um, I ask God to let me help people again. And um and and have a positive influence in people's lives, and to um make my dad proud. So I got to do all those things. So, yeah, yeah. So so is this a new company you started, or another company you're working with? I work for so I work for a behavioral health company in Dallas. Um, they've been there for a long time. Um, okay. so they hired me. Um, last year in October to open pharmacies for them. And so I've opened up a couple of pharmacies for them. And then um, it got to a point where I needed some help uh, some because it's expanding too much for just me. 
And so they were like, you know, I was looking at people and candidates and I kind of joked and I said to my dad, I was like, well, you know, I'd like to hire you. And he was like, what? And I was like, well, I mean, I've always wanted to be more successful than you and make you proud and um, well, and I'm, I'm not dumb. So I was looking at him. I was like, well, why wouldn't I hire the guy I'm trying to compete against? (laughs) that did more than me than I'll probably ever do in my life. I'll probably never be as successful as my dad. And so in joking, I had the joke and I was like, well, you want to join me and we'll um, help this company I've been working for since October last year. And he was like, yeah, why not? Let's do it. (laughs) So at 76 years old, (laughs) he and I will um, be running some pharmacies together um, and and helping. um, We mostly help uh, psychiatric patients that are indigent. Um, So just the, you know, the downtrodden, um, the ones that I really think um, if we look at the scriptures, right, and we look at who God always told us to focus on, it was always the least of these. Mm -hmm. And so I really, um, I really love what I do now. I wouldn't, I would go back again and go through it all, get to the end and then realize I get to work with my dad and have an experience that we could never have together. And like you, you notice, it's not us that are invested in this company. So it's even better. You know, like we get to work and make it successful. It's already been established. Um, We didn't have to go buy pharmacies on our own. So he'll be running um, the store operational and then I'll be doing the clinical pharmacy portion, which is how um, that's more the doctorate degree. So my dad's the registered RPH back when he went to pharmacy school. It wasn't like a doctorate degree. And Mm -hmm. now um, he'll run the stores, which he's used to doing. He ran 2000. So running, running um, less than 10 is like a cakewalk at 76 for him. Um, so he's really he's young man. Excited. Yeah. yeah Moses was 84 when he started. So. He got some years yeah. ago. Yeah. And I mean, our president's old, right? So, I mean, it's really, we're just in that. We're in that. Let's not compare him though. No, no, no. I know. I'm not. We're not. But I was just saying, we're in this generation right. where age doesn't matter, right? Like, so right. as long as you're fluid enough, you're ready to rock. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Sounds good. Amen. Well, that's the way God works. You all of a sudden you can't find something. You turn around. He's done some great thing. He had planned for you before the foundation of the world. Ephesians two. Just stay a day at a time following Him. That's for sure. Paul and I may be checking with you later. You know, see if we need whatever drugs we need, we can call your dad and find out. Right, Paul? Yeah. See what we got. What we need. Yeah. Absolutely. Psychological drugs too. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I was like, we 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 all we all talk about drugs all the time. Yeah. <laughs> How many people ask you about drugs? <laughs> so, yeah, you know, it takes vitamins, tons of those, though. But uh, yeah, so uh, Paul, you got a thought? I do have a thought. Uh, I, I was thinking uh, Lompoc is uh, being recognized quickly as um, the pot dispensary capital of. Wow. The Central Coast, you know, um, it's being touted. And I, I, I listen to some of the commercials because I'm kind of curious on how they push this kind of thing. CBD is the cure all. I mean, it doesn't matter if you can't sleep, 
if you got headaches, uh, your neuritis, neuralgia, and all those other kind of diseases and kind of thing. What's your take on that, Georgette? You know, I mean, you know, we seem to be moving with such rapid uh, speed towards uh, the numbing of of America. You know, um, how and and. Of of course, Texas and battling the fentanyl uh, onslaught and et cetera, you know, coming up and, and methamphetamines and uh, any number of things like that. What what are you kind of seeing in the industry? I mean, is there any movement or is there a, you, know, you see any efforts being made to kind of address this uh, situation? Is that a fair question? What, what you're seeing? Yeah. So I'm not against CBD. Actually, so like the body itself developed the endocannabinoid system before we even developed the opiate system. So the, the body's response to actually the substance itself, um, CBD and, and THC, was in our bodies in there molecularly way before we even developed the, the ability to respond to opiates. Um, but that being said, everything in moderation. Um, THC is a big mind-altering substance. Um, it does affect our youth. It does affect attention. It does have problems with short-term memory. Um, and then anything you inhale causes lung damage, no matter what you do. Um, but CBD itself, when you take it and remove it, from the THC portion, which is the psychoactive portion, it does have a lot of healing. It actually does help with sleep. There's been a lot of studies shown that it does help you with sleep. It does definitely help with calming and anxiety. And what's really sad and where I always harp on is CBD. You cannot overdose on marijuana. It's not possible. So you can get a, a syndrome called cannabinoid hyperemesis syndrome where you are constantly nause uh, nauseated and vomiting, even from the smell. Um, but you can't die from marijuana, uh, just straight marijuana. So what's interesting to me is if we look at our government and we look at what they've legalized, um, fentanyl is legal. You can buy it. Now it's narcotic, but you can die and die quite easily from an overdose. If you look at meth, um, meth is very similar to our ADHD drugs, which are Ritalin and um, Vyvanse and dexmethylphenidate. So we give our children chemical meth. And what's very sad is I wasn't even taught that in pharmacy school. My dad taught me that. So my dad actually sat down with me and he was like, he pulled up the structure, the chemical structure of meth. And then he pulled up the chemical structure of Ritalin and Vyvanse and some other ADHD drugs that are very similar. And he said, it's not that different. We added on one little extra group and side chain. So um, what's sad is the reason I think the government is so hard on, on weed, especially, is you can grow it. So the government hates anything you can grow easily that they can't tax, right? right. So alcohol is one of the most <clears throat> addicting substances, and so is nicotine. They have had no problem legalizing that well it's very hard to grow enough tobacco to make cigarettes it's very hard to make alcohol you have to have a distillery um if you don't distill it right you make the um 
the, the toxic byproduct of methanol. And so there's, there's usually, if you start really looking at like what we've legalized and how it's come about, it always seems to be the case. Same with shrooms, mushrooms. You can't overdose really on mushrooms either. And those are also schedule one because, you know, you could go out in your pasture and grow them. I'm not saying everyone should do mushrooms. I'm not saying they're good. They're all mind altering. Um, And what's really sad is, as you uh, said, um, Paul, is basically we want to numb the spirit as a whole in our country. And that's because we're truly lacking that involvement with our spirit. Um, I feel like our country and the world as a whole really just wants to silence our spirit and our consciousness. And they want us in a state of being numb. Um, And we did have good outcomes in California when I worked there. We were able to get a lot of patients off opiates using weed. And one of the, um, the saddest stories I ever had is we had a little lady that had a fungal ball in her lungs and she was going to die. She was in her seventies and she had this huge fungal ball that we could see on the CT scan and she was going to die. And we gave her the option of getting fentanyl and morphine and going on hospice and doing all that. And she chose to smoke weed and do some yoga. And I think that, you know, if I was given the option, I don't, I don't know. I've not been there. I, I feel it's a more holistic approach. It really is, but I'm not saying the children should be on it. I'm not saying, I think it should be monitored. What I tell everyone, and I wish the pharmacist would advocate for this more is if pharmacists are checking your license to buy Sudafed, they should be involved in the marijuana. <laughs> yeah, and right. So there should be pharmacists at every mm-hmm. dispensary, monitoring how much THC a patient's able to buy and so that we minimize the psychotropic side. And so we don't have as much everyone, you know, tweaking on their psychotropics and they're using more of the CBD calming. But what's also interesting is CBD has been shown time and time again to help people with seizures. And so it's really sad to me to see when you have like a plant that you could use to help someone with seizures, which is such a debilitating condition. And we don't choose to, because then again, you know, we're going into big pharma. Um, And it's also been very helpful. We used, um, we used the chemical CBD when I worked at Napa state to help people with cachexia. Um, It's really helpful in hospice patients that are dying with cancer um, to help because it gives you the munchies. Um, So there's a lot of good it can do, but it needs to be monitored. And children, no child should be on any of these medications, even like even prescription drugs. It's sad to say that a lot of them really shouldn't be on it. Now, there are exceptions, right? There are children that have ADHD and really do need help chemically and I we fill those scripts for them but it's not a one-size-fits-all you know and then you have to look at what you're giving little kids and then you know teaching them that a pill solves your problem every day is a problem you know they really need to understand like life coping you know searching for God searching for you know stability with their family and so there's it's a it's a big pharma big government that wants us to essentially really say that a pill is the solution and it's mm. not, it's really not. 
I had a really interesting thing today. I went to Walmart, do a little uh, Christmas shopping, uh, and uh, I was I was doing the self checkout kind of thing. And uh, the lady that works there walked up behind me and says, "Pardon me, but you uh, you have an item that I need to clear uh, because um, it's a restricted item." I thought, okay, and. Uh, the restricted item was a Bic uh, whiteout pen, correction pen. And I'm thinking to myself, I came home, I was talking to my wife, and I said, I'm 73 years old. I live in a town with over a dozen dispensaries, and I get whacked at Walmart because I'm trying to get a whiteout pen, you know. And I thought, boy, what a world. What a world, you know, that we live in. It's just, it's just beyond the pale sometimes, you know. And so I was really curious, you know, to hear what you had to say. And um, you know, there are answers out there, you know, if, if, if we're willing to search and, and find them and then apply them correctly, you know. So, so that's street. Those are called garage trucks. Um, so the, um, the, the shopping at uh, Lowe's once in a while. Home yeah. Depot. Yeah. So what? Uh, do those they actually they snort um highlighters to get high mm -hmm. um they start um huffing paint paint, paint yes. um gasoline and i actually had a girl that's from my hometown that went she was in my organic chemistry class she was my tutor and she was the first in her um family to get a doctorate degree i think she got it in chemistry and she died um from huffing um, spray paint in a, in a parking lot. Um, she died of a cardiac arrest and she had been addicted to, um, garage drugs for a really long time. In fact, I knew she, that's how I learned that people snuffed highlighters. Um, mm. she, she actually told me the reason they call them high lighters is you get high when you sniff them. Um, and she was like, you should sniff them. I was like, oh, I need all the brain cells I could get. So <laughs> like, I can't, mm -hmm. <laughs> I was like, I can't need to everything up there. <laughs> yeah. It's really sad when we come, like you said, to a time where there's, you know, 10 dispensaries and whiteouts on the contraband list. <laughs> that's, that's why you need to stick to shopping in the bakery where the pies and the cakes and all the good stuff is right. And the fudge. Anybody had fudge yet? I still haven't had fudge. I'm, a, I'm having trouble. I got to get off, get some fudge. <laughs> Thanks, Doc. Believe it or not, yesterday I had a cheesecake factory, and there's a piece of Stephanie's out here. Good. I had a slice of uh, cheesecake, chocolate, caramel, fudge, brownie, cheesecake. <laughs> and, I, and I went to the gym today and worked off about an hour and a half. <laughs> well, you know what Martin Luther said, Ron? He said, sin boldly and trust God's grace. Oh, hey! That's, that's I remember that one. Said. <laughs> you know, in line with that, I, 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 and I just, I, I, thanks for bringing that up, Ron, because this, this whole thing about, um, I, I think being passionate about our faith and our willingness to share the gospel uh, around us. Uh, Tony Campolo wrote a number of years uh a book about the passionless generation. He said, we are so passionless that we don't even sin with passion any anymore. Uh, and, and that's a part of the numbing down kind of thing. But to to think 
you know, to burn with a kind of passion and a zeal to want to share the gospel, like Charles is talking in the magazine, the Christian Times magazine, and uh, and through networking and things like that. We we can't afford in the Christian family to be passionless about our faith. We we need to burn with a with a holy fire that gets in gets in our guts and 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 just compels us uh to talk about the good news you know he changed his lives he's still doing that and he does it every day and that's exciting you know that's exciting so hey amen just a little plug and he well, can't be passionate if he's knocked out on drugs yeah. he can't exactly. <laughs> <laughs> remember back in the 70s the beginning back there they used to have a great musical by jimmy owens jimmy and jamie owens called mm-hmm. natural high Mm-hmm. Remember this? It was about natural high. The natural high is what Paul said, tuning into the Lord Jesus Christ, and you'll be high as anything because the passion will be there. Paul's on what? Amen. Wow. Well, how about if we look over to your compadre to your right on my screen, Georgette, to your right is Charles. <laughs> He's there. And Charles, I, I've always wondered, we talked about a little about, uh, uh, again, I, I love to hear a little bit about your Christmas, but uh, also about... Uh, the Kurds in Kurdistan and uh, what you've seen, you've been there so many times. You're so highly respected in your field, just like Georgette is in and with all of the pharmacies, you know, anything you know about uh, you could share with us about the, the Kurds that we will think about and pray about. I want to share with you first about the first Christmas that I ever, that I ever remember. Amen. It was about, I was about five or six years of age in my hometown of La Follette, Tennessee, which is near Knoxville. And uh, my brother, Ken, who is two years older than me, and I wanted a dump truck so we could play in the dirt and haul dirt in the back of this uh, dump truck from one location to another. We'd get down on our knees and play, and we'd haul that dirt from one place to another. And on Christmas morning, I was lying on in my bed, in our bed, because we slept together. Yeah, right. And uh, uh, <laughs> matter of fact, uh, our family must have had four or five bedrooms because we we're a large family. The girls slept in another part of the house, and Ken and I somehow... Uh, ended up with a bedroom on the front side of the house, and we thought that was that was King's quarters. <laughs> so I woke up on my left side on Christmas morning uh, as the daylight, the sunlight was shining into the room, and I saw these two little trucks over by the wall, uh, a red truck with green beds and little handle on the side where you could raise the bed back and dump the dirt out. That's the first Christmas I remember, and we got our wishes to die. Now we've got some other things. I think we got some T-shirts, and um, uh, we'd get underwear every year, you know, boys uh, would. And uh, but I remember those two trucks that we got for the first Christmas that I remember. But going to uh, the subject of the Kurds, in 1987, I met two Kurdish families here in North Dallas, and uh, I didn't know that there was a, a frame of mind uh, known as Kurds or a group of people known as Kurds. 
or Kurdistan or any of that. But I met these two families and uh, I inquired of them where they were from because the ladies had on long dresses uh, to their ankles and and uh, their husbands were uh, in the pool swimming. And they told me who the Kurds were. And that was in July of 1987. And I sat there at the pool, uh, by the pool, and listened intently to them as they talked to me. And I fell in love with the Kurdish people that day. And I, I somehow never forgot who these people were. They told me about Saddam Hussein, how he wanted to wipe them out because he felt intimidated by them. They were known as as uh, great fighters. Their ancestry went back to the Medes and the Median Empire, uh, the Medo-Persian Empire. Uh, they were known as uh, great fighters. And that interested me because at, at that time, I knew and have read about the Medo-Persian Empire and uh, the, the Medes. As a matter of fact, what intrigued me so much about the Medes, um, a lot of things did, but one thing that did intrigue me about the Medes is that on the day of Pentecost, when all these foreign nations had gathered into Jerusalem to celebrate the feast, um, the feast of Pentecost, uh, Pente was 50, uh, 50 days after the Passover from uh, the crucifixion, Jesus passing over. It was a, a, a time to celebrate the giving of the Old Testament and the Holy Spirit came down and, uh, as we know, uh, uh, anointed these people with cloven tongues of fire and uh, uh, the different languages that they spoke with. And in that town, that city, were people from 17 different foreign nations. And the Medes were there. You can read it in the book of Acts. The Medes were there. And as they went outside, uh, they were speaking in these languages and the people were, I hate to use the word dumbfounded, but they were intrigued by their languages. How speak these men in these languages, our languages? And uh, it took many days for those people to ride back by camel and their entourages to get back over in, into um, Iraq or that that uh, territory. And uh, 19 years later, after 1987, I received a phone call from one of my Kurdish friends. And he said, Mr. Charles, I'd like to send you a fax. And uh, he said, do you have a fax machine? I said, yes, I do. And so when I hung up the phone, I turned the fax machine on, put the button down, and he sent me over a seven-page fax of his dream and how he wanted to start an American school in Dehuk, which is the northern part up near, oh, probably 30 miles from the border of Turkey and Iraq, and uh, teaching uh, American English to his friends and, and young people of Kurdish uh, descent. Well, it just so happened that we went there in 2006. I was asked to go uh, because they knew that I loved the Kurdish people. 
And uh, it changed my life. And we established the school with 80, 81 students, two different classes. Uh, my friend Don and I taught the classes for two hours. And then we would flip the classes. I would teach his students. He would teach my students. And uh, they would get the flavor of two different American men who who love the Kurdish people. And since then, I've gone back 28 different trips. Mm-hmm. And along the way, through the teaching and winning them, uh, their confidence, and uh, uh, occasionally being able to share a little bit of the gospel and just as much as they could handle and seeing their thirst. My mom always told me this. My mom was the first person who told me this. She also told my brother and me, she would point her little small crooked finger at us. Um, You're the salt of the earth. Now get out there and make a difference with your life. Mm -hmm. And uh, that is, has been the theme of my life is I want to make a difference with my life. But my mom always, always, also was the per- first person who told me this, told me this. My mother was a prayer warrior, and people in the southeastern United States knew my mother, Ms. Violet, as a prayer warrior. And they would call her from South Carolina, North Carolina, all over Tennessee, Georgia, and ask Ms. Violet to pray for them because they had an urgent prayer request. They knew my mom as a prayer warrior. And my mom knew that. My mom knew how to pray. Because I've heard her many times pray. But she said, now they'll tell you that you can lead the horse to the water, but you cannot make him drink. But let me tell you this. You can surely put salt in his oaks back there when you're feeding him. When he gets to the water, he's going to be thirsty. So I've spent my life going there, uh, well, 29 trips from 2006 to 2019 was my last trip. I want to go back for another time and make it my 30th trip. Uh, And I've been able to reach a few Kurdish people and one Yazidi. Yazidi man. And I felt led one day when he was in my apartment. I said uh, to him, I'd like to give you this little New Testament. It was the Gideon's New Testament. And he started crying. He had tears streaming down his face, face. And he said, Mr. Charles, I've never held a Bible in my hand before. He called it a Bible. It was an, I said, well, it's not the complete Bible but it's what I have. Now, Gideon had given me 50 New Testaments to take with me, and I was able to distribute those in 2007 and eight when I was over there, just discreetly distributing the Word of God because a Gideon came by my school, my elementary school when I was in the fourth grade, and gave all of us fourth graders a Gideon New Testament, and that was my first Bible. I read it. I loved it. I marked it up. I read the Sermon on the Mount. I know where it is. I know what it's for. I know what it says. And it has always 
helped me to want to characterize my life and living. There's one gentleman over there now that wants to come to America. He's Kurdish. He has received the Lord as his Savior. We stay in contact almost on a daily basis. And he says, Mr. Charles, when I come to Texas, I want you to baptize me in water. (laughs) Three people are baptized into Hook Lake over there after they prayed the sinner's prayer with me. But this guy is up in the northern part. And he says, I'd like to be baptized by you in an American Christian church when I get to Texas. So pray that I can help him to come to Texas in 2023. So um, it's, 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 it's not easy. It's, it's a hard work reaching to people that don't believe. But if you can establish contact with them and convey uh, a message of love, which is what God wants us to do anyway, God loves us. He loved me. And at 14, I gave my heart to Jesus. And he he wants me to spread that message around the world. And before before I'm lifted up, whether by rapture or otherwise, I hope to say that we have put this little magazine around at least 100 nations in the world. That's my goal before I go home. Amen. Amen. Ron, Paul, got thought? We got there's a little time there. I know we're sure sure getting blessed by that. Hmm. I hope I haven't taken too no, much. No, no, no. It's good. Just yeah. Oops. Ron, I sorry. I'm that. muted. Sorry about that. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of friends would love to have that button. Anyway. <laughs> uh one quick question, then I get got a comment. You said they call you Charles? How they pronounce they your name? Me. Yeah, Mr. Charles. Because <laughs> over there are words that end in an S or yeah. E S. Yeah. They put the accent on the on the last part. So okay. they call me Mr. Charles. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty good. <laughs> yeah. I love it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, one one of the things that uh you, you you said something, then uh, Georgette had mentioned something before that brings a thought to mind. Um, I, I, I got to tell you, well, a little sidestep. Probably one of the most thrilling trips of my life uh, was to Turkey. But more, more than just Turkey, my one of my dream locations and my bucket list was going to Ephesus. Um, it, it was absolutely thrilling. And I mean, thrilling on one hand, just to fulfill that dream. The other thing was, it was mind-boggling to, uh, to see the, the advancement that, that we weren't aware of. Uh, things like running water, flushing toilets, public toilets, and then the, the, the opulence was just absolutely mind-boggling. Um, but just another little sidestep. Um, I wanted to, I memorized this, this passage from Paul on the marketplace in Ephesus, and I wanted to do that. And then he wanted to do this little speech in the amphitheater. Uh, but they had a terrorist uh, threat out. Said all these soldiers with guns. And my wife is still upset with me to this day because I had three soldiers come with their rifles. <laughs> Forced me out. Uh-huh. <laughs> I, I almost got a chance to do the Paul's uh, speech. But I, anyway. <laughs> but 
but the thing that um, um, the thing that I was uh, impressed with also, right, was there were a couple places where John the Baptist, I mean, uh, the Apostle John had, had stayed before he went and got sent to Patmos, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and I remember uh, thinking of how humble those locations were. And then thinking about the time, there was this, we had this mindset of having this big Christmas celebration, but there were a number of places I went. It was just a normal sort of small uh, uh, occasion. It wasn't, wasn't, wasn't like it was here, right? Mm-hmm. So you got the impression that the handful of Christians who were talking about the birth of Christ, the Christus, it, it was a whole different mindset. You know, it, it was a, I don't know how to put it, right? So you look at, in America, this is this hype and this commercialism and this, you know, kind of, uh, uh, I don't know, kind of showism about Christmas, mm-hmm. right? But the things in Turkey and then the little small section down toward the south that impressed me most was that they had an understanding of the gift of Christ that I think we've lost. Mm-hmm. It, it really was. Um, there was a lot of contention and worry about Erdogan. He had just come in and how he was doing all this crazy stuff. And then the Muslim population were always starting to rise up and become more active. And Christians were being more, much more apprehensive. But they were absolutely sort of focused on, on, on Christ. So much so that they were sharing it with, with, with jurors. Uh-huh. And I, uh, that, it was so. Anyway, I don't know why that came to mind as you were talking. Uh, yeah. Just remember that. Remember that. And it's one of the things. That it, I guess part of it is is my. I have a horrible attitude around Christmas. I really do. I mean, at least <laughs> my friends think so. I, yeah. I just, I, I the commercialism uh, does something inside of me. Uh, the flippant nature of our uh, approach to it, and the church in particular, yeah. it. it it really does something to me. It really does. I I have to fight with fight my attitude. I really do. I, uh, our church is one of those churches that does, does this amazing, you know, presentation around Christmas. In 15 years, I've never been to a single one. Uh, I've never put out a a, a yard Christmas yard sign. I've never taken Christmas door hangers. <laughs> I and I I refuse to. Uh, but what I do commit to doing. Every neighbor around me on my street knows that Ron is the is the is a he's a religious guy. Ninety five percent of all my neighbors are Indians. They're either Muslim, Sikhs, or or Hindus. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'm the weird, the real black guy, the real Christian, the, the religious guy down there. But <laughs> it's you know it's uh, my even during this season. I, I do. I, I find excuses and find ways of getting to talk to them about about who, this this Christ <clears throat> outside. Of, and you you drive by our house, you won't see a bunch of decorations. There's not a lot of lights, and people think it's so dull. Like like no, it's not dull. It's it's just mindful, and it's and it's. I want to be more focused. I already do. Anyway, I don't know where that came from. But emotionally, I'm in a whole different place, Charles. But thank you. <laughs> if you were, if you were in Russia, and you were like this, mm. talk about uh, religion, talk about Christ, talk about uh, that's that's your priority message. Yeah. You would be known as the religio Nikki. 
Religio Nikki. Religio Nikki. In other words, they it's is they in other words, you would be a religious fanatic. Oh yeah, okay. All but right. in Russian, okay. you're religio Nikki. Right. So oh. you can be proud uh yeah. or thankful that you are a a, a Nikki. Yeah, I, I am N I C H E, yeah. Yeah, that works. That works, Charles. Amen. Well, ladies and gentlemen, we we do want to take just a moment. Stephanie's not here tonight, and as we think about Christmas, we think about the Lord, and we think about it. You know, I had a favorite hymn. I was going to ask about hymns, but we had such a great time tonight. Uh, our favorite hymns and what they mean. What child is this? Used to be my favorite hymn, and uh, you know, didn't know. Nobody knew then. Mary didn't know. She looked in her stomach and said, "How in the world did this happen?" You know, she had no idea. We had no idea. From the time of the Old Testament all the way through until God showed himself in that manger. Like Ron said, that's it, brother. That's it. He sees the answer to everything. He is God, and he makes a difference. And he is not just an infant, but he's the infinite infant. Never was a time he wasn't. Never was a time he won't be. And he's our Lord and our Savior. And what a difference that makes. We'd love to give you an opportunity again, as Stephanie does. We could uh, give you an opportunity if you'd like to give a gift at all to raising expectations. We sure could uh, use the help as we look at things very quickly. Uh, I think TJ will put the, the sheet up. You can see it very quickly here. We're not going to take a lot of time, folks. It's right there. If you go to our website, bbsradio.com forward slash raising expectations, bbsradio.com forward slash raising expectations. It's right there. How you do it at PayPal and uh we, we'd be very grateful. We have a lot of things we're going to try that will be new in this coming year, and we sure could use your help, and it would be a blessing if we can bring the gospel out as uh, as our, our team and our dear, dear friends that you're seeing again tonight. We have a Raising Expectations list of dear friends, and those friends are people we'll be bringing in, and two of those people on that list of about 26 key people you're looking at tonight with Dr. Georgette and, of course, Charles Lingerfeld. So uh, they'll be back, and we'll be talking about a lot of things here. So I think now that you've seen that and uh, we have run out of time, I want to say Merry Christmas. Remember the infinite infant. He lives forever, and he can live in your heart. Doesn't matter if he's in the manger somewhere. He's got to be in your heart. That's what makes a difference. That's what we're saying. And that empowers you forever. Makes you a child of the king. That's what I want to be. So, Charles, thank you. Georgette, thank you. God bless mm-hmm. you both. Merry Christmas to you and your families. And tell you what, Paul, Ron, love you guys too. And uh, we just, we'll look forward to seeing you in a week, okay? Uh, we've got like 30 seconds. So let's all say bye. Wow, this clock's hitting good. I'm right on it. God <laughs> <laughs> bless you guys. Thank you, Charles. Thank you, Georgette. God bless you. Thank you. Merry Christmas, guys. Week. Thank you. Thank you, Charles. Thanks, Georgette. Friends, thanks for joining us on this week's program of Raising Expectations. We profoundly hope you found it engaging and at times humorous, but most of all, uplifting, so that we may, with you, one topic at a time each week, become more encouraged to move forward to an exciting future in, as we always say, this thing called life in America today. So let not your hearts be troubled, your family, finances, faith, freedom. It can be a great future as we talk, listen, respect, and pull together. Please let me hear from you. 
You can reach me at 972-922-8556. That's 972-922-8556 or Joe Schofield on Facebook or LinkedIn. It'd be a pleasure to know you and we hope you'll listen in again next week on the BBS Radio Network.